Get ready to be dazed and infused. Join sugar industry expert Latham Woodward for a happier hour each week for a lively and often hilarious discussion on the infusion of cannabis into food, beverages, and life. Explore exciting new culinary landscape trends with fascinating friends and guests who are leading the industry into the uncharted mainstream. Discover curated menus, enhanced cocktails, and live tastings. Life's a little sweeter here on Dazed and Infused. Welcome, welcome, welcome back to another great episode of Dazed and Infused. I'm your host, Latham Woodward, in Palm Desert, California, visiting dispensaries down here for our distribution company, Sense Distribution, one of the sponsors of the show. And today we're very privileged to have Boris Sharansky, COO of Pop and Barkley, to the show. And welcome to Dazed and Infused. Oh, thank you very much for having me. It's a pleasure to be here. It's great to have you here, especially since you're one of the OG players, Pop on Barkley. And I have to say, I've used your product many, many, many times, starting from way back when to, to today. And in fact, I just used some of your uh, balm a couple of weeks ago. So that was great. And I know a lot of the people listening right now have used your products um, from the get-go of cannabis legalization, and uh, they swear by it. And so congrats to you on producing a great product. And I'm not just blowing you up here. I love, love your products and love what you're doing. Um, let me ask you just the standard question I ask you, every one of our guests when they come on the show. What's your historical connection to cannabis? And feel free to go deep as you want. Yeah, um, my historical connection to cannabis. Uh, I have been a friend of the plant since I was about 17 years old. Um, so, um, I started smoking actually my senior year after high school, which is late for a lot of people. Um, but I was, yeah, I was a, I was a tennis player and and I was scared of getting too into smoking and not being able to utilize my lungs. Little did I know that you could still play tennis and and, and playing tennis high is actually a lot of fun. So I learned that later on in life. It is a lot Um, of fun. (laughs) But, um, you know, that was sort of when I started, but my, my cannabis story is really, uh, as a friend of the plant. Then growing into a, a massive medical advocate for the plant, um, I grew up in Iowa, and I found myself uh, in my mid twenties working uh, back in Iowa at a company I owned with my brother in the non-cannabis world, and I was doing a lot of traveling. Uh, I have psoriasis, um, so that's a skin condition. I developed at a very young age psoriatic arthritis. So, like thirty percent of people who have you have that too. So there Me you go. too. You understand what I'm going through. So I, I dealt. I, I do. I got that in my toes, my ankles, and my lower back when I was 25. Um, and it got to the point I couldn't sleep in a bed. I couldn't really, I couldn't play tennis. I, I couldn't do anything, right? Like it was just so painful and the inflammation was so bad. I would get really high just smoking weed, um, anything I could find on the black market at the time. And, uh, you know, it would help with the pain and sleeping, but not really with the inflammation. Right. And then it wasn't until I, I, I had a trip to California like sometime in 2010 or 11. And uh, a buddy that had a medical card bought me a uh, quarter ounce of Canatonic, uh, which is a two to one CBD to THC strain. So it has like an apple turp on it. It's really nice. Yeah. Um, and it got me kind of high, not like, you know, as high as I wanted to get out Cali weed. But, um, you know, two days into smoking it, I was stepping on my toes, my back didn't hurt, I was I was doing motions with my body I hadn't done in, in years, right? And so that kind of kind of opened my eyes to, to the full medical aspects of this plant. And once I started, you know, I never really learned too much about prohibition or this or that, but that kind of got me down the rabbit hole of not just being a friend of the plant, but really being a scholar of the history of the plant, of prohibition, of the history of hemp and its influence on you know, world trade, global commerce, sure. and even wars. 
um, became a student of Jack Herrera, obviously Todd McCormick, all those OGs, got to meet Todd, uh, as well as a number of other OGs in Colorado when they legalized in 2012, um, and got a really strong connection to, you know, back in the day before even the 2014 Farm Bill, a lot of hemp CBD companies were selling their medical cannabis, right, that was just processed from shit in Europe. Uh, but there were some OGs in Colorado that saw the writing on the wall and started breeding, just like the R4 strain, which is where Charlotte's Web came from. I yeah. uh, started breeding strains for CBD. And I and I was lucky early on to get in the know with them and really get educated on CBD extracts, whole plant full spectrum, uh, and started just getting the extracts for myself, for my, for my own psoriatic arthritis. I continue to take, you know, about two to 300 milligrams every couple of days of CBD to maintain, um, you know, inflammatory control. But yeah. through my connection to sourcing at the time, I also started advocating for medical cannabis. They were normal, the founder of the Iowa Hemp Association. I wrote the first law for hemp legalization in Iowa that finally passed in 2017, um, uh, long after I was gone. But that was kind of started my activism. I ended up working with about 30 families in Iowa that had children with varying ages of 18 months to 24 years. And they all had some kind of seizure or epilepsy, um, epileptic condition. And um, I worked with them to source CBD that was tested, safe and effective, whole plant full spectrum from Colorado and California, kind of in the gray market. I was kind of a traditional market CBD dealer, if you, if you will. Um, yep. But And that kind of turned into a lot of other connections that brought me uh, with my partners and founders of uh, Papa and Barclay and Papa Select. And that's where I've been the last five and a half years is working with them to, to build this company. Well, that is a great answer. I probably one of the best answers I've actually had to that question. And I'm super stoked because I like talking to people that are the maker face. Okay. And I call that because the brands that we distribute of 20 brands in sense distribution, I have to identify as the CEO, a maker face. I want to see the person who's making it. I want to see the connection to the plant. I want to see their passion for the plant. And you definitely have it. A strange connection here. Before green was legal, my great granddad was a green grocer in Fort Dodge, Iowa. So that's <laughs> a little green connection. I've um, been to Fort so, Dodge. There you go. So cannabis is your passion. I mean, I love hearing what you're saying uh, about the plant, the restorative properties of the plant. And, and as a fellow sufferer from psoriatic arthritis and uh, psoriasis, I totally get it. And in my personal case, I've been off of medical uh, prescribed medications now for eight years, wow. solely on a CBD diet um, for my my ails. And I, it's been amazing, actually. And sometimes people, it's hard to convey to them how great the reaction your body has to CBD products and THC. Well, yeah, I mean, you know, what's amazing to me is it's for people that, you know, I have this chronic condition, I understand so many people with I don't like to say worse or better, but like, you know, maybe more challenging chronic conditions. It's not just the pain or the inflammation. What people don't understand about chronic conditions is that you always feel it and always feeling right. it creates an, an ongoing anxiety within your life that you can react to your loved ones. You can react to your day to day just because of what you're feeling inside. And cannabis not only helps with the physical pain, it helps you deal with that aspect of it, that mental aspect yeah. of chronic conditions that it's really hard to convey if you're not a sufferer of, of a chronic condition. Yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm really uh, fond of saying that THC and cannabis doesn't solve every problem, but it sure as hell can get your mind off the problems mm -hmm. for a little while. And that mental escape is really powerful, especially for people who have social anxiety due to psoriasis. Um, 
And if you are listening right now to this show or watching this show on YouTube or wherever you're watching, um, do take a look at this. The research is very strong on it and it does work. And you're hearing from two people who have suffered from the same thing. And I suffered brutally from society, societal anxiety because I mm -hmm. had patches of psoriasis on my neck. Mm -hmm. uh, and that was, you know, you cover it up. You're like, why are you wearing a scarf, man? And something mm -hmm. like, oh, you know, there you go. So yeah. anyway, so great answer. I love hearing that. And let, let's just dive into a couple of things that have come up recently. And there's a lot of controversy about it. And that is Delta 8. Um, how, what's your opinion on Delta 8? I mean, where you come from on that? Because I'd love to hear divergent opinions on it. Um, you know, I, I, you know, the, the activist inside of me says you can't be against any sort of cannabinoid, right? Yep. But then on the other side, Delta 8 is not naturally occurring at very massive levels in the cannabis plant. It's not something we know a lot about. Now, I've right. spoken with people that swear by it and, and say it alleviates anxiety or pain. And um, if so far as I can see, it doesn't have any dangerous side effects. So in general, in general, I, I don't have a negative opinion of, of Delta 8. I personally don't use it. What I don't like, um, because a cannabinoid is a cannabinoid, it's a molecule. So I can't hate it. What, what I don't like is the manipulation of science when you say that, oh, we can create Delta 8 from hemp CBD. Well, that's kind of a bastardization of the whole point of the USDA hemp, uh, 2018 farm bill, the USDA the legalization bill, right. of hemp. Yes, they talked about CBD, but the, 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 the breadth of the bill was never to create THC analogs out of CBD. And those that are saying they're using their leftover Delta 9 to create Delta 8, I think that's a very unfair loophole that hemp manufacturers, and by the way, I'm a huge supporter of the hemp CBD market, but I think that that is a disingenuous to say that we're creating Delta 8 from hemp CBD, uh, and it's yeah. more accurate that they're doing it from Delta 9, which I don't really love personally. I think that we have fought for legalization and for regulated market, and we've almost been forced upon us uh, over-regulation of cannabis on all cannabinoids, except for yeah. the ones that we didn't know about before. So in my mind, we have so many operators that put so much into creating a legal system sourced and tracked seed to sale tested from input to output. And all of a sudden we have players that are using a loophole based on unfound science uh, to push Delta A through the hemp market. I think that in and of itself is wrong as a business practice. As a cannabinoid, I can't hate on a cannabinoid that brings people comfort. I just think it should go through the proper legal regulatory channels. Um, and, and yeah. go through the THC market. I agree with the amount of testing that we all have to undergo. My my primary product that we manufacture is called Shuggies. We make sugar, agave, and stevia with THC. I also cool. make a Delta-8 product, but um, I, I concur with the Delta-8 alleviating anxiety. It's an amazing product, but the workaround does bother me. And the mm -hmm. fact is, um, I do think that Delta-8 products should be merged into the THC panoply, and then they should yep. be approached in that fashion so that you get testing, the proper testing goes through. I mean, I know my testing methodologies are good. I'm sure yours are excellent, if not the best, um, but it's not fair to make a market on a workaround um, and there are a lot of people doing that. So I think great answer. And, and, I mean, I will also tell you, you know, the, I'm, I am one of the executive board members and founders of the, of the California Hemp Council. I kind of straddle between the hemp and cannabis worlds because I have love and respect for, for both. And right. I, also think, I also think that the hemp world has 
fucked up a lot um, in, in their PR and media world over the last few years. But I think this year in California specifically, AB 45 and SB 235, which is the hemp CBD bill, um, they're specifically taking Delta 8 and not allowing it into the CBD pipeline. So right now we're unregulated. If you want this to be regulated as a citizen, I would suggest you support those bills and, and call your senator and congressman to support them because that will disallow Delta 8 being produced from hemp CBD. Uh, being, I'm sure that, you know, available. Yeah, I'm sure there's public uh, comment available. So do look that up. If you have concerns, go to the internet. We all use it every day and take a look at where you can do a public comment on Delta 8. Now, and my, my thing is let's get it back into the THC world, do thorough testing on it and make sure 100. that that's tested. Um, this segment today is brought to you by Next Level Nano 2.0. I'm glad uh, to talk about Next Level because we are using in a couple of our products. Great water soluble products for anything you need to do. They do white labings and many other things. So look for them at gonextlevel.com. Um, let me ask you just a general question here about um, surviving the pandemic, right? Uh, obviously it's affected all businesses and I'm sure yours was affected to a certain extent, but um, I found that there's some positives that came out of COVID in terms of not obviously the health thing, but in terms of focusing energies in the cannabis space to where they need to go. Meaning a lot of money flew into cannabis. A lot of people thought it was going to be the gold rush. Um, that certainly proved to be true prior to COVID for certain people, but I think it also washed out a lot of players that were not in this for the plant, not in this for the patient, so to speak, and not into it for the public good. What What are your thoughts on that comment? And how, how have you guys, you know, gone through COVID? Um, well, on the first comment, I think that it certainly um, washed out some people that were not here for the plant. Uh, but you got to have your eyes wide open. There are still plenty of people in this industry that are not here for the plant. And they're Ooh, sitting that's on, an understatement. They're sitting on <laughs> hordes of cash uh, with little to no understanding of the cannabis consumer. Um, and, you know, when you, well, my other reaction is to when you said, you know, people expected a gold rush. That's anybody that didn't understand the regulated market, that didn't understand the influence of the traditional market and the strength and the commitment of the cannabis consumer to the traditional market, not because it's an illegal fortification, but because it is the only thing that saved this plant and supported patients for decades while the government of the United States and state governments turned their backs on us. So that's why I, as a legal consumer and as a legal manufacturer still support traditional market players that are producing quality product because they were there when no one else was. So, you know, we have, but, but if you're not eyes wide open going into that and understanding that we have to find a paradigm to work within this legal paradigm, but also be able to bring in traditional market consumers. That's our challenge. I'm, what I'm most tired about is hearing this idea of how do we get the new cannabis consumer? When for 90 years, almost 100 years of prohibition, we've had cannabis consumers. You know, 20% of US adults admit using cannabis at least once in the last month. And I think the numbers went up during COVID, right? So yeah, we have a cannabis consumer. I'm so tired of looking for the two milligram consumer when the 10 and 15 and 20 milligram consumer is waiting to be spoken to by this industry and, and so many of these suits are forgetting them. So that's my comment on the, on the first part. I think there's still a lot of nefarious uh, money uh, yeah. in this industry and nefarious players. To your second point, COVID, shit, man, it was hard. Um, yeah. You know, I, I, I think a lot of the cannabis industry actually 
did okay. If you're in flour or vapes, um, maybe even edibles uh, were pretty strong. And I think, you know, my feeling before the pandemic was that we truly are a bit recession proof, especially in the midst of uh, government giving out checks and giving out cash to people. Um, I know a lot of people spend that on things like cannabis. And like, I don't know if that's good or I don't know if that's good or bad from a societal perspective, but in terms of the industry, we actually did fairly well. There was a little bit of a dip around COVID when the first lockdown started, uh, but really that the dip actually happened following that. Like we had a few weeks of just intense sales where everybody thought the dispensaries were going to get shut down. Right. And then, so we racked up high sales and then all of a sudden, boom, they said, no, we're an essential business. Then we kind of dropped for a month or two, but then it kind of normalized back in the third or fourth month. We had to do some pretty drastic um, things. I think a lot, you know, we're, we're not innocent of making mistakes in this industry as well. So we had to scale back a bit. I think we were also planning to have over a thousand dispensaries and we were still hovering around five or 600 at the time, right? Um, a total in the state. I think now we're closer to seven or 800, but the, the growth in dispensaries has not been what we wanted it to be. Uh, and plus, if you look at our segment specifically, you know, we're in wellness and tinctures and topicals, and we happen to be a, a, a more of a premium price product. And those products certainly um, had some had some issues during COVID. So all in all, you know, we had to definitely weather that. I think overall, the cannabis industry weathered the storm of COVID pretty well. I think what became apparent is dispensaries are still important. I think nobody had their D to C game anywhere near where it needs to be. Um, and I think that now you're seeing players come out in the California market, uh, really attacking the direct to consumer game. Um, and unfortunately, I think you also saw a little bit of a race to the bottom. That's one of the things I'm a little bit concerned about is that we're not seeing quality cannabis products prevailing out there because the cost is just too high. I mean, even my, the products I love, my select extracts, right? Uh, my, my solventless extracts that are number one in the state, in my opinion, those are 70 to 80 bucks pre-tax if the dispensary is putting a fair markup on it. And most yeah. dispensaries might be putting a two and a half X markup on wholesale. I think that that is really a problem. Uh, and I think because of that, you know, you're seeing $20 quarters, $25 quarters that are already ground up going and really selling well, or maybe what I would call less than ideal product selling better in dispensaries than you would maybe even a 50 to 60 or $70 eighth. People want the 30 to $40 eighth. So let's, let's talk about that one question right there is, um, or the statement is the rush to the bottom. And I've been seeing consistently on my interaction i'm one of those guys that gets out there and visits dispensaries a lot to see what the price points are to see what my staff is looking at to see what my sales staff is looking at and this whole thing about the high potency lower cost is driving me freaking nuts it's really annoying it is annoying and to me i'm a norcal guy right i'm from san francisco bay area i grew weed since i was 14 years old Uh, i've been slinging joints since that time you know and doing my thing I went on to a legitimate career after that, but then it came back to cannabis. But the, to me, finding out, I've been getting phone calls from some of my buddies up in Covlo, up in NorCal, in the Triangle, all over. And the question is, what's going on? How come, how come SunGrown is not selling? We make, this is a, a three, two generation farm. We make a beautiful product. And now we're at being asked to sell this for $500 a pound. You know, we can't make it. This whole thing, this whole movement toward indoor, 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 no, no bees, no flies, no dragonflies, nothing interacting with the plant, no natural terpenes being installed by nature. This thing disturbs me a little bit. I understand high potency. I understand it. And I understand lower costs, but you can't have both. 
It, it's like, what is this, a fight for Everclear? It's ridiculous. You know, I, I agree with you on one level in terms of the potency fights. I think the outdoor, indoor, NorCal, Emerald Triangle versus other parts of the state is a bit more of a complicated question. It is. Um, you know, I, I, you know, if we're going to be frank about it, if we're going to get political, there, there, were, there were political and, and groups that pushed for the 10,000 square foot limit up in Humboldt on, on plots. So my farmers, unless they have multiple plots, can't grow more than 10,000 square feet. My biggest farms have four or five or six plots to get that. I've got, I won't name names, but we all know who they are in Santa Barbara, Lake County. I mean, they're all trying to, I mean, I saw 170 acres of, 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 of canopy just five weeks ago in Lake County. And there's three more properties just like that opening up. So, wow. you know, I don't, and that's outdoor, by the way. But, uh, you know, it's not Emerald Triangle. It's not heritage farmers. It's not, but what, what do you do when you're limited to 10,000 square feet on that plot of land and mirrored, mired in environmental costs versus the guys that can build a 400,000 square foot greenhouse uh, steel and glass, right? Um, I also say on the quality side, flower-wise, smokable flower with the different firing seasons, the difficulty of uh, truly controlling temperature up there and, and, and true curing of plants, you're not getting as fresh of product out of the NorCal and you're not also getting, you know, you, you see what I'm saying? So yeah, like, I do. I do. I, I'm really conflicted there because personally I'm a hash man. So I smoke a lot of flour, but for me, the flour is kind of secondary. I can smoke indoor. I can smoke outdoor. I, I, you know, I'm also a bad man. I smoke spliffs. So, you know, slap me after the show. <laughs> oh my and goodness. It's horrible. Oh I grew up smoking God. in Europe. So like, that's what Where I are you do. from France. Uh, my God, no, 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 no. I, I started smoking in the middle East. So that's, that's, kind there of you where go. It comes I from. get it. Uh, but, but um, I do think that the Emerald triangle is very special in terms of resin farming. I think what you said about terpenes and trichomes is absolutely true. And there's something special about the terroir of, of, that, of that region throughout Humboldt, Mendo and Trinity uh, and the different elevations for the different strains that, you know, 80% of what we pull in our water hash is, is premium quality, 90 micron and 120 micron in the first through fifth washes. It's all premium quality. It's amazing. Yeah. And that's, that's a testament to living soil, outdoor regenerative farming using trichomes. And I think, you know, we're not, pricing in the cost of growing in a warehouse under lights that's not priced in really no 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 true it's cost. Not, not priced in yet that's right no. and i keep telling so, people this because we don't know the impact the environmental impact we don't know the cost impact really yet because we've got so many people building up right now but the quality argument i think for the reasons i stated is, is nuanced on the flower side but on the hash side and that's why I'm committed to, you know, our Papa Select line of, 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 of solventless concentrates and our new ice water hash gummies. Um, that's all coming from those trichomes, you know, and I, I've had a, I've held a belief for a long time that indoor hash doesn't hold a candle to outdoor hash because sometimes you can get burnt flour outdoors. You can get a little bit of dust in the flour. It can get a little bit, you know, outdoored it weathered literally yeah. right but the trichomes we're washing those suckers and we're making sure they're crystal clean and so for me i you know i'm a student of frenchy cannoli in a way like the right. real the cannabis plant is producing the trichome it's not there to produce the fucking flower right so well, i'm i think the trichomes are amazing let's briefly stop there and say uh, rest in peace frenchy cannoli um, of course terrible tragedy and um you brought a lot to the business and it's my first opportunity to say anything on air. So this will air a little while. So don't criticize me for saying it now, but I, we mean it. And he brought a lot to this world. Um, 
on your standard Papa and Barkley lineup on your on your main page, not the select page. You, I love how you basically keep this very clean. You don't have a, a shit ton of products here. You have nine mm-hmm. products. Yeah. Uh, I lo- I love the skew arrangement here because it's just so simple. And I I think that is something that's missing in cannabis. Sometimes people t- tend to go really crazy on these things, and fourteen yeah. varieties of one thing. You know. You know, it's funny. Um, we we got some pretty good advice early on um, from from an unpaid consultant, just a, a, professional, a marketing professional, that kind of told us the the rule of three. You don't want to go over three products within a product line, or you know, like or, or just stay around that. It's not a complete like hundred percent rule, but I think the point of it was more is not always better, and so we have always kept it to a reasonable amount of skews within our product lines. Right. Now. Marketers will come in and tell you, you need more iterations, you need flavors, you need this and that. And, and maybe that's true, but um, we, we believe a lot of our success has been because we, we stuck to what works. Our bombs are amazing. Why, why change the formula? And yeah, so I, I think that's been our philosophy for a long time. I think on the national and the CBD market, if you look at what we're doing, we're going to have to expand our product lines a little bit because that's kind of the name of the game there. You got, you got to have a bunch of different flavors for everybody. But on the cannabis, cannabis market, the true OGs understand this product and this plant. I think our tincture lineup and our topical lineup is spot on. So um, on the topical, let's talk about that for a second. What, what are your feeling on um, expansion and adoption of, by the general public for uh, balms and lotions and salves and UV protection? Um, are, are you guys planning out more products in that lineup? <clears throat> Yes. Um, yes. And no. I mean, some extensions on like skincare, some active lines, we're adding some like magnesium and, and um, uh, magnesium and Epsom salts and, and other things into some formulas, just to, to like the active sports user. Right. So we're, we're going to do a few extensions like that. Um, so, but I, I, I think in terms of the, the, the cannabis THC market, I mean, look, if you look at the numbers on where we're at on topicals in California, uh, and this is not to just pat our own back, I don't think there's much more we can do to grow in that market. Like, I think we've kind of sat, I mean, we're kind of winning in that market in a way, and I don't mean to say it in, in, in a way that's like mean, but we are. We are. Uh, in tinctures, I think in tinctures, there's a lot to do, and we're still number one in that market, but there's there's definitely strong competition and, and strong headway there. But I think our whole plant full spectrum solventless formula is the only one of its kind out there, and, and we're very proud of it. Um, so I think it is those two product lines are very non-aggressive to a new user. So if we are talking about the new cannabis user and the adoption of cannabis products, yeah. I will tell you that if someone maybe was a student of the 60s or the 70s, they, can, they might be able to come back into a vape or an edible or something. You're not getting my mother who was raised in the Soviet Union to take an edible or smoke a vape, right? But you will get her using our bomb every single day. And yeah. this is someone that when she found out I use cannabis, you know, call me a drug addict and started crying at the kitchen table. So this is someone that, you know, the prohibitionists can get on board with a topical bomb. And that's one of the beautiful things about our product line is that it's allowed us to have what we call the first conversation on cannabis. So we can have that first conversation with you. And here's a product that's truly magical because as my partner says, if you define magic, the word magic as being able to make someone feel good and take their pain away, well, then this is a magical product that doesn't get you high, but that does make you feel better. And if you can do that for someone with something that they thought was evil, you create a cognitive dissonance that 
I think most humans can see through eventually, right? You, you create something in their brain that doesn't yeah. make sense. And, good, and I think- Good point. Yeah, the one-on-one doesn't equal three like you were told in the drug world. It still equals right. two. I love it. Right. Well, that brings us right back around to your love of the plant. I love to hear that. So we're at that part of the show. I'd like to hear a stony story from me. If you have one, it could be about you, a friend, a relative, a unnamed a person. A stony story. Yeah. Uh, since I have a lot of stony stories. Um, I will tell a story that's just about me. Uh, I had just moved to California in 2016 and joined um, the team at Papa and Barkley. We were not even in the market yet. We um, had the bomb formula uh, kind of down pat. We had just uh, licensed this patch technology. We have a, 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 a pain patch, a transdermal pain oh, patch that we sell. Like Mary's so, in Colorado. It's like Mary's in Colorado, although uh, ours is better. <laughs> but uh, ours is whole plant solventless. It's not made from distillate. And we use a rosin as the input product in, Ooh, in, nice. in our patches, which is pretty cool. Um, but we, we had that one. And, it, and the beauty of it was it was, uh, it was a tiny machine that made it. So one operator could use it. And obviously, you know, when you're starting a company, you don't have employees. I was operating the thing. So I was actually, we, were, we started out of a house in in glassell park that is actually now sold unfortunately uh, we said goodbye to it a couple of weeks ago um but we started in a house in glassell park and uh one night i was sleeping on the couch there when i first moved here for two months before i moved my family back out here i was just sleeping on the couch and i would wake up in the morning make products run the company make sales and then go back at night would i would print patches because patches took a while to do and it was just like one of those things you could sit down at 8 p.m and go through two or three o'clock in the morning and just do and i was coming back from a dispensary and i bought i forgot which company it must have been a corova bar or something it was like a 250 or 300 milligram cookie thing right like parallel potency remember that <laughs> some crazy shit <laughs> and so you know, I, I'm advanced with, with, with edibles. Obviously, I mean, a 50 to hundred milligrams is a normal dose for me, but I'd never taken 300, nor was I really planning to, but I had, I made the mistake. I hadn't eaten all day and I was so hungry. I took a bite and this thing was delicious. Whoever, I, I wish I could actually rep the brand now from the OG days. Cause it was a very good little like rice crispy treat type brownie thing. And I ate a little bite and I was like, well, that's probably about 50 milligrams. That's good. And before I knew it, I finished the whole thing. And I just, I didn't even realize what I had done to myself until like a few hours later. And that was the, that was the hardest I've ever like actually come, come close to hallucinating on cannabis. I ended up staying up till seven o'clock in the morning and I was printing patches all night. And I thought that would get me to sober up, but I didn't. And so then I took a, 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 a I had to fly out of LAX that morning. I took an hour trip to LAX, still high as shit. I, I, I almost lost my shit in the security line because I was so paranoid because I thought they would knew I was high. I, I hadn't been high off an edible. Like I was like a 15 hour high. It was like an LSD trip almost. Yeah, right? so yeah, yeah, yeah. That was one of the more, more intense stony stories uh, that I've had. But um, yeah, so I you guess that's home, why I don't okay. know if it's good enough. Yeah, I got home. And, okay. I was okay. And here you are. Well, yeah. look, that's the beauty of cannabis. And that's what I always tell my haters and prohibitionists is that like, you're not going to die. It doesn't affect your brainstem. And that's the most crucial thing you have to know about the cannabinoids and then endocannabinoid system is it can't stop your heart and it can't stop you from breathing. So no matter what happens, you're fine. You're just going to sleep it off. You got to roll on through. I get it. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> well, uh, thanks very much for 
that stony story. That was a good one. And uh, before we finish this uh, episode, I want to say another rest in peace to Frenchie Cannoli, also Wayward Bill, and a uh, guy I've known, uh, Eddie Lepp. And Eddie yeah. Lepp uh, passed uh, recently. And um, a lot of my friends went up to see Eddie in the last days. And there was a lot of good stuff on Instagram about Eddie and his OG antics. So, um, Boris, thanks very much for being here. Is there anything you'd like to plug before we part? Any new um, look, I would love for people to start following um, to come and check out Papa Select uh, okay. and our new ice water hash uh, strain specific gummies. They're, they're coming from um, fresh frozen ice water hash. Nice. And uh, follow our Instagram because we're going to start doing a direct to consumer hash club where you'll get a hash maker's choice of five or eight grams if you are able to get on the list every couple of weeks. So, I love that. Uh, delivered directly to your door at a very reasonable price. So I, I think that that's a very exciting thing. People should stay tuned to our Instagram for. Fantastic. And you can find Papa and Barkley at papaandbarkley.com. And what's the website for the select line? It's it's Papa Select with one S dot uh, com. And then it's Papa Select uh, on Instagram with an underscore between Papa's and Select. Okay. Well, for the people at home, this has been Boris Sharansky, CEO of Pop and Barkley. And, and always, this show is brought to you by Sense Distribution and Shuggies. Find us at Shuggies.com, S-H-O-O-G-I-E-S.com. Delicious stevia, sugar, and agave syrup in many form factors. Boris, thanks again for being here on Days and Infused. My pleasure. Thanks for having me. Thanks, man. I'll see you later. Have a great one. The opinions expressed on this CannabisRadio.com program are those of the guests and hosts and do not necessarily reflect those of the staff and management of CannabisRadio.com. Any rebroadcast, republication, or retransmission of this program without proper consent is prohibited.